Welcome to episode number 70 of the Active Geek Podcast, and in this episode we are focusing on the 2001 Neil Gaiman novel, American Gods. And we're focusing on this because on April 30th at 9 o'clock on Stars, episode number one of American Gods premieres. We talk about the, the storyline, we talk about the characters, my opinion on it, we talk about the previews of the upcoming series with the cast and which gods are going to be featured and and we also just talk about all the the beauties of just creating unique properties and how i think it's going to be successful and um how it's going to translate onto television um so without any further ado this is episode number 70 of the active geek podcast entitled american gods Wait no longer because we are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast, and I am your host, Jim DeLulo, and I am joined, as always, by... Well, this week I'm not joined by anyone. Uh, Chuck is on a podcasting sabbatical for this episode, but we'll be back for episode number 71. And um, I guess we can just call this one the Lonely Geek Podcast because it's just me. For however long this episode goes, you're just going to hear my voice. And not only are you just going to hear my voice, and I'm on, I'm by myself for this episode, but today, the day we're recording this and the day this is going to go up, is Easter Sunday, and I'm alone while my wife is with my family, and you guys are with your friends and your family celebrating Easter, or if you don't celebrate Easter and you're just celebrating Sunday, I'm sitting at home with a stomach virus. But I am thankful for the NBA playoffs and a bar rescue marathon because it's getting me through the fact that I am missing one of my favorite food holidays, Easter. I love love all the food that my family cooks for Easter, and I can't enjoy it because if I eat it, I'm probably going to throw it up. But I digress. This episode, we are going to focus on a book that I just recently finished via a free trial at audible.com. Um, and that's American Gods. And American Gods, if if you haven't heard of it and you enjoy reading books or you enjoy listening to books being read to you, I suggest that this is one that you really get on. American Gods is awesome. Um, and we're going to talk about the book. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about the book. I'm going to talk about the author who is an amazing author who is on the Mount Rushmore of my favorite authors just on based on geek culture and geek content that he's provided with us. And then I'm going to talk about the adaptation of the book to television, which is going to premiere in April. But before we talk about the book, I I want to talk about the author. Um, If you haven't heard of this man, I, I recommend that you get familiar with his work because I made sure that I said that he was on the Mount Rushmore of my, my favorite authors and my favorite, uh, contributors to the geek culture his name is neil gaiman um and neil gaiman has worked for pretty much everybody he's worked for dc he's worked for marvel he's worked for eclipse comics he's worked for vertigo and he's he's written a lot of stuff um that is iconic and kind and in my opinion very underrated um just because it's not the 
you know the the big two it's not marvel or dc you know his 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 stuff is is really legit and is really good but these are some of the things that he's wrote for um so for eclipse comics like i i may mention too he he wrote for miracle men when they were trying to rebrand the character um he also wrote for vertigo and he wrote sandman which was supposed to get a a movie or may still be getting a movie but um i know that joseph gordon levitz was attached to it for i believe uh the directing and uh starring in and it kind of fell through with him so i don't know if that's completely off out of the pipeline or if it's still going to happen but you know he he wrote sandman which american god kind of ties into there's some um overlapping themes and imagery from from both uh storylines in the same universe um in i guess in the same stories i guess um, he also wrote Swamp Thing, Poison Ivy, The Riddler, Batman, The Eternals, and Marvel 1602. And Marvel 1602 is is something that I don't really know much about. Uh, however, it sounds pretty cool just from the title. It's uh, most definitely something I'm going to start looking into. And then also he he's worked with Todd McFarlane on Spawn Comics um, and created one of my my favorite newer comics. Uh, comic characters from marvel comics angela who is actually thor's sister um he created her and you can totally see that like based on his writing and the characters that he he's created in in multiple worlds that angela fits exactly where he where he goes to to as far as his writing style and uh the character development Angela is actually a character that I would really love to see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially after seeing the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, which I've said it before, this is probably my most anticipated Marvel movie of 2017. But, you know, with Angela debuting in Spawn comics and then making her way over to the Marvel comics, you know she's a badass character, especially if, if McFarlane and Gaiman had their hand in on it, on, on the creation of her. It, it's It's she's definitely a force to be reckoned with as far as the the universe that she's set in either marvel or spawn the cool thing about neil gaiman is that not only has he he wrote for major comic book outlets but his novels have been adapted into movies he uh stardust came out in 2007 and that was that was turned into a movie um and then Coraline, um which is one of my favorite all-time animated movies just because of how dark and twisted and how beautiful the storyline, the inner workings of that storyline work, um, that was a Neil Gaiman novel. So, you know, you might not know the name or the face, but you know his his uh, body of work is what, what I'm saying. Um, but his biggest, I guess the biggest part of his, his body of work is American Gods, and that came out in 2001. And in 2001, it won the Hugo and Nebula Award for Best Sci-Fi and Fantasy Novel. And if you know anything about our podcast, you know that Chuck and I really enjoy the sci-fi realm and the fantasy realm. I mean, Chuck's favorite movie is Jupiter Ascending. And for, for me, we've done a fantasy podcast episode. We've done a Middle Earth episode. We've done a Warcraft episode, Game of Thrones episode. So you know that we really love the fantasy realm and then the sci-fi realm. So American Gods is it fits perfectly into, I mean, our inner workings as far as the Active Geek podcast. 
Now, as someone who has always dabbled in writing, and for, for me, I have three stories halfway written right now. Um, I need uh, I need a, a book or a comic book series or, or s- new works to really bring me in for me to st- stick with it because there's so much content being spread via television, movies, digital platforms, stuff like that. I really need a really good book to pull me in. With American Gods, I wish I would I would have known about it earlier. I truly didn't take the time to appreciate American Gods until I read that it was going to be adapted into a, a television series. So shame on me, I know, for one, but God, I really wish I would have been able to, to read this earlier. And, and I say read because I, I listened to American Gods for two or three weeks. I haven't even, I didn't even read it. I just listened to someone read it to me, which is, um, I guess that's a half-assed way of absorbing content. But American Gods brings in Americana fantasy and ancient and modern technology with the main premise of if you believe in the gods and mythical creatures, then they truly exist. So if you want to believe in Zeus and a unicorn, then they exist. They exist in the world that you live in. And that's kind of a Western form of thinking, but it's it's not confusing in the book. It, you know, it really brings the audience in and it's like, okay, I, I get what you're where you're going, Mr. Gaiman. But the whole storyline between the for the book is that there's a guy named Shadow Moon and he's in prison. So Shadow's in prison, gets the word that he's going to be let out of prison a, l- a few days earlier because his wife died, um, and his wife Laura Moon. She died in a car accident with Shadow's best friend. Now, the the thing about Shadow is, yes, he's in jail and he's a convict and they let him out early, but where does his story begin? His story begins right at the death of Laura, and then he meets a guy named Wednesday, and Wednesday's a, known, known in the world as a, a con man. And he goes through you know, being this bot, bodyguard chauffeur for, for Wednesday not realizing that he's just trying to run a scam on on the world. So later in the story, uh, Shadow Moon finds out that Mr. Wednesday is actually uh, a different incarnation of Odin. And you guys know Odin. Uh, you might remember him as Anthony Hopkins from all the Thor movies or, or the Allfather from Norse tradition, um, North, Norse mythology. So Mr. Wednesday tells Shadow that the entire world is consisting of the old gods and not just, you know, Odin and, and you know, Loki's involved and there's Egyptian gods and there's Slavic gods and um, Hindu gods and Indian um, Muslim gods and so many different gods that are are in this world, but they're considered the old gods and the old gods are trying more more specifically mr wednesday is trying to get the old gods together to take down the new gods which is like media and the america's fashion uh fascination for firearms and technology and and all the stuff that you know we love as americans right now um or just love as humans in general because uh you don't have to be american to love technology and to be passionate about firearms and media and and stuff of that nature so Mr. Wednesday wants Shadow and the older gods to take wage war against the new gods, which, number one, that sounds completely awesome. I love all the types of 
old gods. That's, you know, that's the stuff that I really took notice to in, in school. And it was, it, it really brought me in because the fact that you could have a God for love, a God for beauty, a God for war, a God for knowledge, um, and then, you know, a God for just everything, even gods of death, you know, in as far as the Egyptian culture, that stuff's really neat. And ha- having those gives you a better, I guess, a perception on life. You know, if you want to have, if you're a sailor and you want to have steady seas, then you would pray to Poseidon or, or Neptune. That's the stuff that I I like, and that's the stuff that I would like to believe in. But I, you know, I'm a rational thinker. I realize that you know there's this thing called science, and science explains a lot. You know, that really is your that's your spark notes for the world is science. So, from the perspective of Shadow, if I were him, my whole life's been turned upside down. My wife is killed. My best friend is is dead. They're both dead from the car accident, and now I'm with this strange looking con man and then he tells me that there's a god war happening that's awesome number one um so if god war isn't enough to to bring you in then this is this isn't going to be a a story for you before i move into the cast and the the tv show i want to talk about the gods that are featured in the book um so some of the old gods you you have mr wednesday who i who i alluded to before which is odin if you don't know Odin, he's the Norse god of knowledge and wisdom. Um, and the word Wednesday, you know, that day in the middle, also known as hump day, that that means Odin's day. So that's why he's called Mr. Wednesday. And people are like, oh, well, who's Miss Tuesday and Miss Monday? Um, he's Mr. Wednesday for a reason. You have another god, uh, Slavic god of darkness, which is called uh, Zernobog. Um, and has, he also has a twin brother named the Bilobog. And that's the god of light. So you have the Slavic god of darkness and the Slavic god of light. You have the Zoria sisters who are the relatives of Zernabog. Uh, and they represent morning star, evening star, and midnight star. And they're also from the Slavic lore. You have Mr. Nancy who's described as a trickster Spider-Man from African folklore. Um, sign me up. I want to see a trickster Spider-Man African god. I I hope he uh, or she, I'm not sure if it's Spider-Man, so I'm assuming it's it's a man. Um, I want to see that. I want to see how that's taken in uh, in the book, or not in the book, in, I'm sorry, in the, um, the television series. I believe Orlando Jones plays um, Mr. Nancy, but we'll get to that in the casting in a little bit. Um, there's Mr. Ibis and Mr. Jack Jaquel, which are Thoth and Anubis. Um, one being the god of knowledge and writing, and the other being the god of death and mummification. Um, and that's all from the Egyptian lore. You have Easter, which, shit, we're recording on Easter, so what better uh, better way of bringing up Easter? Um, and that's the Germanic goddess of dawn. Uh, and you have Mad Sweeney, which is a little leprechaun in the story. And he gives our friend Shadow Moon a gold coin. So if they're not playing on the leprechaun lore, that's your your mythical creature, um, your mythical creature existence right there, little leprechauns. You got Whiskey Jack, who is uh, a trickster figure, and he's a uh, he lives near a Lakota reservation in the Badlands. You got John K- Chapman, who's Johnny Appleseed. You guys know Johnny Appleseed. You got Low Key Lie Smith, 
which is also Loki, the um, the Norse god of mischief and trickery. Hinzelman, a kobold who is formerly revered as a tribal god in the ancient Germanic tribes. You got Bilquis, the queen of Sheba, and she plays a prostitute who devours men via her vagina. I forgot all about Bilquis. Um, and you got Mama G, who is Kali, and she's a Hindu goddess of time and destruction. They're the old gods that are featured in the American God book. But the new gods, the ones that they're trying to fight, you have the tech, uh, technical boy, and that's the god of computers and the internet. You have media, obviously the god of television. The black hats, which are Mr. World, Mr. Town, and Mr. Wood, and Mr. Stone, and they exist out of America's obsession for black helicopters. And then you have the men in black. And they work as spooks for the new gods. So they are like the hitmen of the new gods. You're not going to see Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Will Smith running around with their memory eracer tools. But these guys, this men, this group of men in black are um, dangerous and pretty ruthless. And then you have um, the intangibles, which are the new gods of the, the stock mar- modern stock market um, and the personification of the invisible hand of the market. Um, and that's... That's who the old gods are trying to take down. Um, and as far as you know, who I would like to win, I kind of want the old gods to win as far as if, if we're going to wage war against the new gods because I think media and, and technology, albeit me being a hypocrite right now because I'm giving you media via technology, um, are kind of a, a small corruption. I guess people are, are, are too glued to their phones. Um, and don't really get time to, time to read books or um, just live their lives according to their own will. But that's not important. My opinions are not important on the technology and the media aspects of the world. What's important is the American Gods television series, which is only going to be an eight-part miniseries for season one. Um, and that's going to be debuting on Stars on Sunday april 30th at 9 p.m and lately stars has been putting out a lot of really good content i know they did the black sales um i think they did what the white princess is on there and i believe that they are they do power i have no idea what that is i believe it's a 50 cent show but um i don't know i i hear that it's pretty good you have the same storyline as far as from the book. The tagline for the series via their IMDb page reads, A recently released ex-convict named Shadow meets a mysterious man who calls himself Wednesday and who knows more than he first seems to about Shadow's life and past. Now, that doesn't sound like a sci-fi or fantasy television show. It sounds like a a thriller, maybe a crime story, um, because you have the ex-convict storyline, but... It's kind of misleading, and it kind of neglects the the fantasy and sci-fi, the thing that really separates this from anything else that's on television. It just gives you, well, you got a guy, weird guy named Wednesday. He's mysterious. He knows a little bit more about Shadow than we think. But then you have a guy named Shadow who's a convict. So, like, this could just be a, a normal television show on ABC. It has no inclinations to the god war that is potentially at... at uh, uh, inevitable but the two showrunners uh, Michael Green and Brian Fuller are very versed in 
how to make a a property work. Um, Michael Green ha- is a writer, and he he's written a lot of big things that are coming out in 2017. Uh, he wrote Logan. He wrote uh, Green Lantern. Um, even though that um, is one of DC's kind of um, redheaded stepchildren that they don't really recognize. Um, he wrote Alien Covenant, which looks amazing. Um, that, you know, the Alien storyline, and if you listen, listen to some previous episodes, the Xenomorph in general is one of the scariest and best kind of created anim- uh, Alien. So he wrote, he wrote for that, which looks like it's going to be really good. And he also wrote um, Blade Runner 2049, which is coming out, I believe, in October. And that's going to be another episode that we're going to focus heavily on as well because you know Blade Runner is iconic. Harrison Ford is a beast. Um, and then you add Ryan Gosling into the new one. Um, and you got yourselves a, uh, a recipe for a highly successful film. Um, and not only has he, has he wrote movies, but he also is a comic book writer, and he wrote Batman Lovers and Mad Men, Supergirl comics, and Superman and Batman comics. Um, so he knows he knows the geek um, demo. He he knows what demographic Neil Gaiman writes for. So you you, ha- you have to have some faith in in Michael Green because he he's put out some pretty good properties as far well at least with Logan. Um, the jury's still out on Alien Covenant and and Blade Runner because obviously they're they're not out in theaters yet, but he he's got some successful franchises that he's uh, that he's working on, um, and then you have Brian Fuller and this is the TV aspect of it. You have the movie aspect with Michael Green, but now Brian Fuller comes in and he and he's a creator and he created Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies, Hannibal, and the the next uh, adaptation of the Star Trek universe, Star Trek Discovery. Now. I never saw Dead Like Me, and I've never seen Pushing Daisies, but I've heard of them, and I heard that they were pretty good. I watched Hannibal, and I loved it, and I'm pretty pumped for Star Trek Discovery. So this guy goes, he knows television, so he's going to put out a good product. He's put out three successful TV shows, um, and he's going to put out an even more successful TV show as far as Star Trek Discovery, and now with American Gods, you know, he's going to be... I don't think his uh, his phone's going to be pretty quiet for work. He's not going to be hurting for work. Um, so you have you have two successful writers that are going to run the show, but you also have Neil Gaiman himself, the creator, who's going to executive produce on everything. So you're going to have the creator of of the property that is going to be focused on giving his opinion on how how it's supposed to look. And I don't know if you guys have seen any of the trailers, any of the TV spots, any of the artwork or the the posters that have come out, but this movie, the show looks trippy um, and unique. It it's kind of like reminds me of when Legion was putting out all their stuff, and I was like, shit, this is going to be a really trippy kind of show, and it's really going to bring in a, a whole different group of audience because you, at first at first glance, you don't think that this is a I don't know, like a comic book writer's novel you, you don't see that you you see oh well um this there's a giant alligator head and then is that ian mcshane uh what's going on in like is does that woman is that woman carrying one arm like you don't you don't get the full grasp of it because it, it's going to kind of take you on a visual journey where you're, you're going to be you need it's i don't know i don't know how to say it but it's going to be like kind of like inception where you need to have to watch it twice 
in my opinion, just to get everything that's going because there's so many moving pieces. It's kind of how the book is. There's so many moving pieces in it that if you don't focus on it, you're not going to get it all. It's one of those series that, just like Legion, and you know, you'll you'll hear me say that um, probably in geek galleries when we start talking about it. That this is one of those series that you need to sit your ass down, turn your phone off, and watch TV for an hour. Just watch it uninterrupted for an hour and to get the full the full story. Because if you miss something, the next episode you're like, well, where where'd that person come from? Or or what happened? Like, who is that character? That's just my that's my opinion. But let's talk about the characters. Let's talk about the cast. Now this cast has some pretty good recognizable names. Um I'll go over a few of them. I have the entire list from their IMDb page, but I'm not going to bore you with some random names that you might not, might never have heard of. So let's let's start with our main character, which is Shadow Moon, um, and he's his name is Ricky Whittle. And if you watch um, CW's the the 100, you know him as Lincoln. Now I have never watched the 100, um, however. I'm at a kind of stalemate with um, new shows that I can binge, um, and I believe The 100 is on uh, on Netflix, so I think I'm going to start binging that to see if I like it. Um, CW's putting out a ton of great content right now, so I'm going to give this a shot, um, although I will not give Vampire Diaries a shot just because um, I'm kind of uh, tired of vampire stories. Um, so you have Shadow Moon, Ricky Whittle. Um, Laura Moon, his wife, is played by Emily Browning. Um, you might know her from Ghost Ship as the little girl or Sucker Punch. She was Baby Doll on Sucker Punch. Um, you have Bruce Langley. He's playing Technical Boy. Uh, Pablo Schreiber, who is from Orange is the New Black, um, the guard known as Porn Stash. He is playing Mad Sweeney. You have Ian McShane, who is the biggest name in this, sh- in this show, um, and he's playing Mr. Wednesday. And if you don't know who Ian McShane is, um, you're not doing your due diligence because he's been in two of my favorite movies in the past few years uh john wick and john wick chapter two he's been in game of thrones and he's been in pirates of the caribbean among so many other things um so ian mcshane being in this show definitely uh brings me in because i i freaking love ian mcshane um you have chris uh crispin glover who plays mr world and that's george mcfly you you can't you know that's a back to the future george mcfly you got Cloris Leachman, who plays uh, Zoria Virginia. And Cloris Leachman, if you don't know her, she's been in free and everything. She has like 297 credits. Um, and she's still working. I think she's in like her late 80s. Um, then you have uh, Jillian Anderson, who um, is Dana Scully from the X-Files, and she plays media. You have Kristen Chenowich, uh, who plays Easter. I'm assuming she's going to sing in this uh in the show she sings in everything that she's in um and she's got a great voice so i'm sure they're going to exploit that talent uh you have orlando jones who plays mr mr nancy who i had stated earlier um is the african spider-man like figure uh which i really want to see how that translates into the show um dane cook is in an episode and he plays uh robbie so he's in one episode as per imdb uh, so I don't know if that's, like, spoiler alert, he's going to die or he's going to get a an extended stay because I know, like, with Powerless, Ron Funches only had one episode to his credit, and he's in every episode, one of the main characters. Um, and then you have Corbin Burnson, who plays Vulcan. Um, 
And Vulcan is a new character, which was created specifically for the television show by Neil Gaiman. Um, and Vulcan is a new god. He's fascinated with Americans' love for, for firearms. Um, and I think at the time that we're in now, Vulcan is probably the best portrayal of an American god. Because, I, I, I'm not even going to get into politics, but you, you know where I'm going. And, and Vulcan, I believe, is a Roman god of fire. So if, if that cast doesn't bring you into this show, then I don't know what's going to bring you in. Um, you got a god war with a great cast starring Ian McShane. And if, if you don't want to watch it, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Because I think this show is going to be super successful. It's something that I'm looking forward to now that I've read the book. There's so many things in the story that I, I hope to see. But I do know that the, the television show albeit eight episodes, is only going to cover one-third of the book. Now, the the book is about 460 pages, so a third of that, you're, you're probably working at 150 pages. So they're barely scratching the surface, um, which, which alludes to a second season and a possible third season. If they're only going to do eight episodes, then you're, you're going to need three seasons to get through the whole book. Not to mention that there was there's always rumors that Gaiman's working on a sequel to American Gods, and if the whole Sandman movie doesn't work, maybe he'll he'll feel you know American Gods was successful on television. Maybe I can bring Sandman over uh, and make that as far as a short form television series, um, and then you can inter um, include the interlappings between American Gods and, and Sandman. Um, all I can say about this is that I'm very excited. The storyline is is brilliant, um, and I I wish I was half half as creative as uh, Neil Gaiman is. But I I definitely recommend this. I I feel like the content that we're we're getting as far as television and movies is is amazing. And when you you get stuff like American Gods, it it opens up the the avenues for so many other unique and different storylines that and types of, of stories that people um will 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 flock towards but with that you you may get with the success of american gods you may you may get bad adaptations of other unique storylines i.e when you when you had the hunger games come out that that dystopian kind of society post-apocalyptic world was like oh you know we, then we can do it they did um the divergent series and you know the first movie did quite well um but not like the rest of it was kind of bullshit like it, it was i think the last movie went to freeform so you're gonna get so many different adaptations but you gotta take the good with the bad for every american god you're gonna get two shitty adaptations of something else but be thankful that we're getting American Gods. Um, and if you haven't read the book, read the book. Watch the television show. It comes out um, April 30th. Again, April 30th, 2017 at 9 p.m. on Stars. If you don't have Stars, you might want to contact your cable provider and get Stars because I really want to see the show get uh, become successful. Um, or shit, just uh, find a friend with the Stars with the stars find a friend with stars and use their password to watch it on the stars app so 
you know, stream stream this content because it's amazing. Um, you know, I it, this is a shorter episode because you know it is just me. Um, I didn't include Chuck on this episode because he has not read the book, um, and it would you know it would just be me talking. So you're you're getting that already. Um, but I will open the Geek Gallery for a brief moment, and I want to talk about something that's not trailer related and that's not movie or television related. But I want to talk about something that I'm pretty pumped about. If you guys have been following our podcast, you know that both myself and Chuck really enjoy Comic-Cons. In fact, last week we went to a Comic-Con in Philadelphia called the Great Philadelphia Comic-Con, and we were joined by our special guest from episode number 68, our Bachelor cast episode, Tom, um, and we, we were able to really take in the cosplay, and we met Alan Tudyk, and that was awesome, but we'll share that in the Geek Gallery for another another episode, but... I want to talk about something that I've been geeking out about for quite some time now, and that's BurrowCon. Now, BurrowCon is the first convention of its kind to come out of Queens, New York, and it takes place Memorial Day weekend, which is May 26th to May 29th at St. John's University. Now, BurrowCon is a convention that is geared towards the fans and has something for everybody. So let's say you go to conventions to meet guests. Well, BurrowCon certainly does not disappoint when it comes to guests. So let me hit you off with some of the guests that I took notice to. There's Dante Bosco, who you may know as Rufio from the movie Hook, and also from the successfully crowdfunded and soon-to-be-distributed Rufio prequel. You have Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings, Sean Astin. You also may know him from Goonies. He'll be there. And you have my favorite Atlantean, my favorite king and my favorite cyborg, Carrie Payton from The Walking Dead, Teen Titans, and or Teen Titans Go, and Young Justice. He'll be there. And then they have uh, Jess Harnell from Animaniacs and the Fairly Odd Parents. And then if you like the Jerky Boys, well, Johnny Brennan's going to be there as well. Um, so they're just a few of the guests, and they're they're announcing more guests uh, as we speak. Uh, and they're getting a lot of voice actors, and I'm sure there's going to be comic book guests. Um, but also, if if you like cosplay, and you go to conventions to see cosplay contests they did not disappoint in the cosplay um department either they're gonna have a, a cosplay contest just like most comic cons but their their judges are amazing cosplayers they have monica lee danquist Makomi, and my personal favorite cosplayer and if you don't believe me go back and listen to our cosplay episode of 2015 ricky lakoti aka riddle if you listen to that episode, you know how I feel about Riddle, and she's judging. It's awesome. Her cosplays are on point. And again, the New York cosplay from what we saw at the Big Apple Con was amazing, so Queens will not disappoint. The prize for the cosplayer, the, the cosplay contest winner, isn't a trophy. This goes all back to what I'm saying about being fan interactive and fan friendly about conventions. BurrowCon is offering a 3D figure after teaming up with Capture Me in 3D to go to the winners of the cosplay contest. So not only are you getting recognition as a cosplayer, you know, there's going to be people like that are admins on cosplay Instagram pages or Facebooks. You're getting your own figure of you in your cosplay costume. Like how awesome is that? You don't, you don't see that at all. Like you get your own figure. Like I wish I had my, my own 3D figure of myself. It makes me want to cosplay. Let's say you go to conventions to play video games. You know, video games at conventions are are huge now. Um, Wizard World had a convention, um, a video game section when I was there last year. BurrowCon has the most epic video game section 
from any con that I've ever researched. They have a 128-player, two-day Super Smash Brother Melee tournament called Storm the Castle. And you don't win a trophy for this one either, guys. You win $2,000. That's amazing. $2,000 to play video games. You've already paid for your transportation. You already paid for your food. You paid for your lodging. And you paid for your convention tickets and your, your, you know, your souvenirs, as you will. You win $2,000. Your book's clean. You're good to go. You can spend more money at the convention. So if you like Comic-Cons and you like winning money and winning figures of yourself and you're on the East Coast or you're planning on visiting visiting the East Coast, head to BorougHCon on May 26th to May 29th, Queens, New York, St. John's University. You won't be disappointed. This, I mean, what else are you going to do on Memorial Day weekend? Take time away from the grill and the barbecues and the beers and interact with your, your fellow geeks at BorougHCon. And if you don't, you don't want to take my word for it, check out all their social medias. And if you can't spell it, it's B-O-R-O-U-G-H-C-O-N, Burrowcon. Um, that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Burrowcon.com. So that, that's exactly what I'm geeking out about. Um, I'll make sure I remind you more about Burrowcon in the upcoming episodes. I really, really feel strongly about this convention. I want everybody that is on the East Coast and able to get there. I want everybody to go and check it out because it's going to be a great convention. Great guests, great cosplay contests, great video game contests. It's it's an amazing convention, so make sure you go and check that out. Um, so that's all I got for you guys in this episode today. Um, if you celebrate Easter, happy Easter. If you don't celebrate Easter, happy Sunday. Happy uh, Sunday fun day if you're uh, a millennial. And, um, you know, just do your research on American Gods and make sure you watch it April 30th at 9 o'clock on Stars. See ya.